Hi, my name is Atul Shingal. I am the founder and CEO of Scriptbox. Economists are predicting that India will be a $5 trillion economy in the next three years, which marks an incredible milestone in our post-independence journey. This explosion in the GDP will also lead to more wealthy Indians and this creates some amazing opportunities in the wealth management sector. One of the pioneering fintechs in wealth management space is Scriptbox, which was started over a decade ago by the guest of this episode, Atul Shingal. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, Atul tells your host Akshay Tath about his journey of building not one but two highly impactful startups in the last decade. He built up Scriptbox as the leading HNI wealth management fintech in India and Probe Information as a leading B2B SaaS tool that is used by most banks and NBFCs in India. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to hear how disruptive founders are leveraging the India story to build massive businesses. The beauty of Standard Chartered, I was in the card division. We were completely like a non-bank. Everybody around us was Wipro or, or Blowplast or Asian Paints. So very different pedigree. And we were hungry. We were growing. We had a phenomenal year in 99-2000. I have the pride uh, of having launched the first card in India, which could be used globally. This is before your time. You guys are youngsters, Akshay. Until 98-99, you couldn't use your credit card abroad. If you had to use foreign currency, you had to get it endorsed on your passport. So we went to work with the RBI. I was in Bombay. We launched the first global card. Then opportunity came knocking from a company called Capital One, which is just a great company from the US. They were doing some great work. I'd heard good things about them. And they were looking to set up in India. So they hired a bunch of us middle managers. This is in 2000. Unfortunately or fortunately, that decision to stay in India or set up in India was pulled. They pulled the that's another backstory there, but some other time. And they somehow, because they felt I knew something or didn't know something, I was actually posted to South Africa as part of a joint venture Capital One had with a group called Old Mutual there. So I ended up in South Africa via the UK. The ironical story was that South Africa, with its own economy, decided that, that you couldn't hire out of India. That what was so special about sort of the work permit rules. Why couldn't you hire local talent? Why should you get from India? So I had to be shipped to the UK, work in the UK for a year where the workload is easier and then get an internal transfer. Spent seven glorious years in South Africa with the group. Learned a lot about joint ventures and how they work and how they don't work. The JV broke up very quickly. We had the American young, full of energy, very number driven. We had a slightly old world banking setup in, in South Africa. The JV didn't work out. The business did good, did well. This was a full-fledged bank or it was a, like an NBFC focused on lending? The largest bank in Africa. So it is, it's, it is, it's, it's yeah, 25,000 employees, highly profitable, called NetBank. I ran the Amex card portfolio. So I've done the whole super prime lending to subprime. Moved from American Express cards to micro lending. So this whole noise about buy now, pay later, we were doing in 2004, 2005. I was the MD of a... One of the divisions called consumer credit, which was point of sale lending, but to the to to what I would call the underprivileged or low income group, did that for a year. And this was like a Bajaj FinServe kind of a model, like appliances. Exactly same, same exactly. You could buy a television, a refrigerator. My claim to fame was to actually grow the company 10x in a seven month period, which. 
in lending is not necessarily always the best. <laughs> Though we did it very well. We were Capital One guys, so we did it very well. I'll tell you the story. It's actually quite a fascinating story. So we used to do all this lending, which was for point of sale. So we had partnerships with various furniture chains and the retailers, white goods, etc. We also had a product within that for used cars. So you could borrow from a dealer when you were buying a car, used cars. But somehow the rule also said in the credit policy, you couldn't fund a car which was older than five years. So I said, this makes no logical sense because a used car, especially in the income bracket we were, they, would, they can't afford. And South Africa's got very hip cars. South Africa's very proud of its cars. Most people's cars are more expensive than their homes. So BMWs, Mercedes, Audis, etc. So for a relatively poor man, though he was ambitious of getting a good car, he couldn't afford a car. So this was a so badly designed product and purely on credit policy. So it was a cut and paste credit policy from a previous regime. So I asked the guys, why this five-year rule? I said, anyway, this is unsecured lending because if the guy goes, if the guy doesn't pay you back, you're not going to collect the car from a from one of the townships. You have to do it as unsecured lending, literally. So there's an asset attached to it, but it's largely unsecured lending. So I, I removed the five-year, as a test, we removed the five-year cap. And we did an experiment on only 200 dealers. Our volumes went up 10x. So one of our biggest successes or our failures, because in lending, to handle those volumes was very difficult. So we had to cap it very quickly because we hit our numbers. But it was a beautiful business. You were lending 100. You were getting a 5% discount. So you were, getting, you were dispersing only 95 to the dealer because the dealer gave you a 5% discount. You added some admin fee. So... You are making so much money. And yeah, so that is one of those stories that if you just look at policy at a fundamental level as you build businesses, you realize some of those have no logic. They've just got written and and people follow them blindly. So those are one of those success stories. Maybe I did well there. So they kicked me upstairs, uh, some four levels. So what happened from a career perspective was that I was telling you, you asked about, you asked about NetBank where I joined. So actually the joint venture was with a larger financial services group called Old Mutual. Old Mutual has a presence in India through that Kotak Old Mutual Insurance JV. But in South Africa, Old Mutual is the largest and the biggest franchise of financial services. They own the largest life insurance and asset management company. They own the used to own the largest bank called NetBank. And they used to own the largest general insurance company called Mutual and Federal. My boss, who was the regional director for Africa, who had all these companies reporting into him with 25, 30,000 employees each, had built out a business called Smile and Egg. These are the, the UK has a has a penchant for funny names for their businesses. I don't know if you, if you, there's a business called Nutmeg, which just got sold to JP Morgan in the space here in Sprig Boss. So the origin of these internet banks was Smile, Egg, If, some random name. So he had built out a business called Smile. So he was very keen on internet. And this is 2004, 2005. This is like really early days. So he said, Atul, do you think we can build a, or this put out a job spec that we want to do this. We want to build out a, a direct to consumer business layer, which will be like a customer experience layer on top of these three businesses. I applied for the job. Anyway, there was nothing to do. I, so I, and I got it. And suddenly they had these three CEOs in their ties and suits. And the fourth guy in a t-shirt, and I was all of 35 those days, and in a different world. They had 25,000 employees, I had two employees, myself and a program manager. Anyhow, to cut a long story short, we started working on it, on the idea. Learned very quickly that online and digital are different. So online is a channel. Digital is a way of life. Digital is science, math, data, technology, online, all of that rolled into one. And I remember going to the home loan department, and I hope this is set in good taste. And they were the most efficient. I mean, NetBank had a phenomenally efficient home loan business. And I think their turnaround time was 15 days from when you applied to when you got the loan, which was like very efficient. India has got to say, well, if you apply to HDFC or something. And I said, no, I want to approve in 15 minutes. So I said, forget about being in the same page. We're not in the same library. Forget about the same book and same aisle or whatever, because we're talking about different languages. So anyhow, to cut a long story short, I went back to the board and asked for $200 million. And this is in 2005. I'm asking for $200 million to build this full stack insurance and insurance, life insurance 
full stack bank, a retail bank and a full stack general insurance company all rolled into one, including the middleware, including the customer experience layer. Maybe the storytelling was good and they bought into it and they actually wrote a 200 million dollar check, which was which we put into a bank. The other clever thing I did was I actually set up the business in a place called Durban. If you know South Africa, everything is headquartered either in Johannesburg or Cape Town. And that's where the old mutual is headquartered in Cape Town. The other two businesses are Joburg. I said, boss, these guys are going to just, I'm too small. So I went away and I've always had this belief that set up places where you can have captive talent. We set up the business in Durban, built out something phenomenal. We had 250 people on the ground, built a contact center, which I still think wins all the awards in Africa for the best contact center ever built. But Unfortunately, by the time we were about 40, 50 days from go live, the financial crisis was at the thing, the 2007 crisis. Because the $200 million was to build the business, to lend off our balance sheet and to run the home loan book and the personal loans book. We had to borrow abroad. We had a line of sight from a couple of UK banks for $5 billion at LIBOR plus 20. Great team, youngsters, full of energy, emerging market, new age technologies. This will be phenomenal. We had shaken hands. This is in July, August of 20, 2007. I still remember having the same conversation in November of 2007. A young team, unknown, third world country, don't know this technology. God knows what is going to happen. I went from $5 billion to 500 at LIBOR plus 200. So it became unviable to do the business. So plus 200 is basis points, LIBOR plus Basis points, yeah. So it became unaffordable for yeah, the customers. I was, I was wondering, LIBOR plus 20 sounded very high. Okay, got it. Well, LIBOR plus 200, 20 basis points. LIBOR plus 200 basis points. So suddenly our cost of borrowing went up hugely. So I said, and we checked around, we looked at the last 50, 70 years of back testing of the of the yield curves. This was not going away in a hurry. At least our analysis said that I told the board that, see, this is no use. We got such a strong team. There's no use just twiddling our thumbs for the next one and a half, two years. I would suggest we mothball this and we'll come back to it in a few bit of time. One of the hardest decisions in my life, standing up in front of 250 people and telling them it was an open office. This the beauty of, I was talking about the contact center. We converted a abandoned casino into a contact center. The beauty of a casino is it doesn't have any pillars. So you can see everything. So we had 70,000 square feet, 70,000 square feet of open space, just a beautiful contact center. And they announced, I think everybody, everybody cried that day because they sort of felt they had lost a part of their lives because it was so passionate as to what we were building. Anyhow, so uh, became footloose and fancy free. But the insurance business could have still made money. Like, why shut it down? Not? Yeah, so we sold that little part to the mutual and federal business. And I had become, obviously, I had blown up $100 million and I had one CD to show for it and, 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 the, and the contact center. So I was sort of personal non grata, I think so. So I told the company I'd like to move. And they were just looking at India. Remember, 2003 to 2007 was like these runaway days for the Indian markets. So there was a plan to come into India on the asset management side. So I said, okay, I'll do that for you. I understand how to, I understand India. I don't understand asset management and I know and understand how to build businesses. So we came to India in mid-2008. It was phenomenal. I was that time overpaid rather than underpaid like I am now. So I was a foreign expat in my own country. Came back to set up the wealth management company, the asset management company and a PMS. We had appointed CEOs for these three businesses or looking to appoint CEOs. Had applied to SEBI for an AMC license. I'm a lucky guy. And what brand name? Old Mutual was the brand name. Old Mutual, Old Mutual, Greenfield, Old Mutual, completely. So if you look back in my LinkedIn profile, you'll see old mutual corporate services. We had set that company up. I'm a lucky guy. Lehman Brothers happened after we had set up the company. So I said, boss, this is going nowhere in a hurry. The markets had crashed. So told the company that I, I think I'll take a break. They gave me some gardening leave and I took a year sabbatical here. This is 2009, March to 
late 2009, about nine months, traveled the country, spent a lot of time with my parents, walked my children to the school every day. It was like really good. It was, But then my wife got antsy. You had got married while you were in South Africa. No, I had got married much earlier. I got married in 2000, 1995. So, I, actually, so we got married in 95. We have two lovely daughters. My wife is a designer. So yeah, she's traveled with me everywhere. We had a lovely lifestyle. South Africa lifestyle is gorgeous, Akshay. If anybody has not been at, I'm like a big champion of South Africa tourism. You have to holiday there. You live in these big houses. The house in Durban was on the golf estate. So my, my front lawn was the 18th fairway. And hence, I'm a keen golfer. But it came back to India. And I think after playing a lot of golf and in that 2009 traveling, I think back end of 2009, my wife told me, Ki boss, what are you up to? Not even 40 years old. The maids are getting worried that nobody will pay their salaries because you all you do is meet friends and travel or, or play golf. Axel Partners, uh, which is, I think, one of the best venture capital firm in India, I have some friends there. They were kind enough to allow me to start spending some time with them and start looking at that ecosystem of entrepreneurship. Flipkart had just got funded, start, met Sachin and Vinny Bans. A couple of other deals were happening. I just loved the ecosystem. And I said, hey, this looks like something I'd done. In a sense, I'd done two startups. It happened to be corporate money, but I had the independence. So I had the confidence that I could do something. So after about spending four or five months at Excel, I got together with a dear friend of mine, Ravi Shankar. We are batchmen from I Am Bangalore. have just been very dear friends from the very beginning. He had a small boutique equity research company of his own called Probe Equity Research. Five, six people in the company. And he said, hey, Atul, I told him, hey, this looks scalable. I know how to build stuff. You have this boutique business. You're also a fund manager. He also has a PMS of his own. I said, hey, should we put some money into this and try to grow this? And like those days, BPO had fizzled out. KPO or knowledge process outsourcing was just happening. I said, this is something. I th- let's go to Axel and tell them that we could scale this business. We put some money into it. Uh, we could take the equity research abroad. We had customers that time at, from this thing. Went to Axel. They were kind enough to put money behind us. And that's the inside story. How So I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Started Probe. And yeah, Probe is today, I think the most used information platform in India, in all banks. It's called Probe 42. What does that mean, information platform? So you were doing equity research, which means you must have been getting these multiple page research reports on equities. You're you're a genius, Akshay. You're the right prompt for this. Yes, we were. So we were doing that for listed companies, which is what everybody does. So we said then somehow, when I was setting up Old Mutual, I figured out that the asset management company, I wanted to understand the ecosystem. So I asked Ravi, because he had the equity research company, he told me a little bit more about because all the data we were getting from McKinsey, everybody else was the Amphi data. How much, how big are the companies and how much AUM. But the insights, what are the expense statements, who was spending how much, where was the money going, what are the, we couldn't find out. But when we dug around that time, and I think Axel also had asked for a couple of information on companies, which are private limited companies. We had figured out at Pro that there was data available through the MCA. Legally, legitimately, you could actually get information on all private companies in India. So we pivoted Pro, it was called Probe Equity Research, the name of the company, to becoming report writing on private companies. So we did exactly what we did for public companies, for private companies, and the richness of data surprised us. And we, our customers, all the venture capital firms, all the PE firms, we had built up a 40, 45 man team, chartered accountants, CFAs, they loved it. They could dig around a company, go deep into it. So say you're in, you're investing in Flipkart. You want to know about Infibeam, you wanted to know about Snapdeal, you wanted to know about Mintra. So basically, if you want to understand one company, or you say you wanted to invest in Maruti, Volkswagen and Hyundai and all of those were un- private limited companies. So we were giving everybody that information in an equity research report. So this is an 8, 9, 10 page report. As we were building this out, an interesting use case emerged from the banks. So banks used to use the same report. They used to talk to a chart accountant and for giving out, before they gave loans or credit to any of these private limited companies, they had a similar MCA check in the reports. So we started giving these reports to the banks. 
And we realized that because we were a manual driven company, and I'm not a techie techie, but understand how to use technology. We realized that all our technology investment had gone into making our analysts more efficient, helping them write reports faster, better, neater. We pivoted the company to a true digital company to make the information available to our customers. So we went from, I remember our peak volumes in July 2015, we should write about, we should cover about 1000 companies a month, which is much larger than all of BKC and everybody put together. We were still doing large volumes. We pivoted the company to a self-serve platform. We digitized the entire process into small bite-sized chunks, built deep expertise. And Probe 42 is the resultant platform. That's another backstory on the 42. If you read Douglas Adams, 42 is, is the answer to life, universe and everything. So we said the same thing. We have the answer. We don't know your question. You can figure out, you can ask any question. We have the answer. That's the story behind Probe 42. A comparable site would be, say, like a Crunchbase, which also has data. Crunchbase is more focused on startups and funding news. But yeah, so we are about 100x the size of anybody else. From a revenue perspective, we'll be. So our seminal moment of pride was we saw a couple of CVs of bankers. And they said, we are qualified to use probe. So when somebody writes that on their CV, you know you build something to last. So that gave us goosebumps. I said, I've done my life's mission. I've built something which will stand the test of time. So that business is highly profitable and does well. And I think... So you, you built like the Bloomberg terminal of India in a way. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. It's got a retail version also of it. So that's done very well. But that comes to the skip box story. One question on probe first. What was the, the pricing strategy? How did you monetize it? Was it on number of companies that a bank accesses or, or, or a customer accesses? Was it access based or was it fixed annual or what was it like? Brilliant. Brilliant. So... We did the research, right? You could have gone down the license route per seat. You could have gone down a fixed fee for the bank. We realized, no, there is all, they're always negotiating. We said, pay as you go. For every company you look at, we will pay you. So it's like a taxi meter. If you, if you look at the company, you pay for it. If you don't, so be it. And then there are some rules around how long you can have the asset. It's like a rental. You look at a company, you can use it for the next one year. And it's worked out beautifully for us. There's no confusion around how many users, how many licenses. It's open architecture. Anybody can create an ID and use it. And we, we'll keep collecting fee on it. So yeah, that was a unique pricing strategy we followed where we made it a pay-per-use model. And you took upfront like there to load a wallet. That was it or they would get a bill at the end of the period? Both models. There's a prepaid and a postpaid model. So largely in the bigger banks, it's a postpaid model. If you're a single user, it's a prepaid model. And this is like human intelligence here. Like this, it's not just a collation of data. There are like real analysts who are preparing reports on each company covered. There is a little bit of human intelligence. There's a lot of, see, the data in India is very dirty. So there are Three levels of cleanup. One is balance sheets don't balance. You have to balance them. People will write in millions in one year and crores in next year and lakh in third year. And so there's a deep amount of data clean, cleansing. And so there's a huge value in that. Then there is a name matching. So what happens is that you'll be called probe somewhere, probe equity research somewhere, probe information somewhere, probe 42 somewhere. Now, how do you link the court case in NCLT versus the court case in Trivandrum versus your GST filing versus you've taken a loan? So there's something called charges in India. When you borrow from a bank, you create a charge. Now... We have a data, we've got something called a bank master where we've cleaned up bank names. I think we've got 635 variants for State Bank of India, SBI, S.B.I, State Bank of India, State Bank of India, State Bank of India, Jalpaiguri, and they're all the same thing. Uh, so we're actually able to clean up data. Thirdly, there's some intelligence, obviously matching which company does what to what. So uh, we don't classify companies by what is the official classification that's mentioned. But we actually go and look at the company's website. We look at the AOA. We look at what the company does. We digitize that. So we have our own call, so which helps you do a peer matching much more easily. 
bunch of things which we we do for cleansing because for us scale is important. I'm selling you thousand companies a month. I think we do today we do ten thousand a day, same on the same like for like basis. So part of digitization. One company report contains like the financial performance over the years, that like the financial trends, the legal issues which a company might be facing, stuff like that. Anything to do with compliance, credit rating, GST, any court case across 750 courts, any, I mean, it used to have BIFR data, which is no longer relevant on the compliance side, but that there should be a board of, of financial reconstruction. This is a preconcert to the NCLT, any defaulters, which the banks have, def- so all of that is digitized, any credit rating, which has happened. Then shareholding, directors, how much shareholding, any funding, what was the pricing of the funding, financials, obviously, like you said, related party transactions, then structure of the company, who's a shareholder, which is the ultimate beneficiary, website, phone number, yeah, and most importantly, cross-directorship. So if Akshay is a director in three companies, you can look at Akshay in company A. And if you click on Akshay's name, you'll know his other companies. When did he become a director? When did he resign? So is it a male or female, right? In the director's uh, thing. So you can figure out who the female director is. And all of this has got a search capability. So you can go and search for companies set up in the last 10 years. You can search for companies set up in the PIN code. So bankers in a retail banker can use it. He goes and types his PIN code 5600888 and says, okay, companies in the pharma space in this area. And he says, okay, these are 20 companies I can target. So it becomes useful for target. That's why I said Pro 42. You can use it for anti-money laundering. So what happens is that you suddenly get a 10 crore check in the bank guy's bank account. Okay, let me go look at the company on Pro 42. His balance sheet is 1 lakh. And he's uh, he's got a revenue of some 20 lakhs. You said, hey, what happened here? So and anti-money laundering uses it. People use it for targeting. People use it for credit appraisal. People use it also for follow-ups. So what happens is that I have pitched, a loan is a loan. So ICICI bank is pitched, SDVC bank is pitched. I says, somebody's got the loan. I didn't get it. So three, two months later, I'll go and figure out, okay, who got the loan? What pricing did he get it all? So it's how you use a system. It's very intelligent or it's very dumb. And how many companies in the universe? Total number of companies it covers? So any company ever registered. So the day the company registers, tomorrow morning it's on the platform. So I think 15, 15 lakh or 18 lakh active or whatever. So every company ever registered comes on the platform next morning, including LLPs. So it's fully digitized. What is the revenue like for Pro? What kind of top line does it do? Probably about 55, 60 crores, 60 crores per year. So it's a good company. It's a well-run company. Let's talk about from Pro to Scriptbox. Like what made you, you were already running Pro full-time. So what made you want to attempt a second startup? So 2011, 2012, what happened is that, so we had three co-founders at, at Scriptbox, Ravi, myself at Probe, and we got in Sanjeev, who was the tech person. Uh, Shubhroto, who was on the board of Probe, the man with the Midas touch, uh, Shubhroto Mitra from Axel, he always is a big fan of B2C. And Probe was obviously a B2B enterprise business. That too, that time, not very digital. A couple of companies in the US had got funded, Betterment, Wealthfront, Motif, and he sent the data to us. He said, Atul, this looks interesting. You said you were setting up an AMC. You seem to know that. You had set up a digital bank in South Africa. So you seem to know that category well. Ravi, you're a fund manager. Why don't you look at this opportunity? Do you think this has got legs? And enterprise businesses are slow to build. They take some time as we are. And we sort of felt we could do it. So we went back to Shubhruta with a proposal. I said, we can do this for India. We can build a we can build a digital wealth manager in India. Sanjeev, who is a senior from us of mine from IAM Bangalore, He's quite an expert on wealth tech. When I was setting up Old Mutual and I was setting up the wealth business at that time, I'd spoken to him to understand the landscape and I was quite impressed. And I said, hey, so we reached out and I think he also, he had another startup and he was thinking about what next. It was serendipity. We got together in a room. I remember that whiteboard we were working on and the idea was exactly the simple. 
that how do we bring the power of digital to bring make this thing simple? This is too complex. And we went back to Excel and said, hey, we can do this. We need some funding. They said, okay, go get started. We'll fund you. Scriptbox is a genuine garage startup. It started in the garage of Pro. Pro was in our office, which was a converted house. And actually, it was a division of Pro. So it was 100% owned by Probe, called Probe Well Services to begin with. Then it became bigger than any of us. And we spun it out as a separate company, got it funded separately. It was a large, exciting opportunity. We knew the domain. We felt passionate about it. And we thought we could do it. Went to market with only four funds. We did our research. And so the logic we had is that youngsters were not getting any good advice. So the 2009-2010 crisis was still the hangover, was still around. People we were talking to were saying, no, no, equity is not for me. It's too confusing. And this is scary. And uh, the regulations on the financial advisor had changed quite a bit. Uh, NFOs had gone away. There was a lot of turmoil in the distribution side. So new fund offering. So there was a time in 2008, 2009, if you bought an NFO, the upfront commission was 6%. So a lot of NFOs got launched. So the regulator was cleaning up. The resultant of that regulator cleanup was that the, there were fewer participants and there was not enough money for to serve somebody who's serving five, who's investing 5,000, 10,000 rupees. Who could they go to? They had to go to an uncle who would tell him to buy an LIC policy or some neighbor or somebody who would punt a stock. I said, no, this got to be cleaned up. So we set up on the mission to say, how do we clean this up? We tried to understand the underlying assets. We looked at 850 schemes at that time, the equity scheme. There were five and a half. There were 8,000 mutual funds that time available from 40 providers. X, Y, Z, long-term advantage, growth, thematic, schematic fund. You don't even know where to start or you had the mint top 50. You're investing 10,000 rupees. How do you know which one to pick? So when we looked at the 850 schemes in equity, so our logic was we're getting started, invest in equity. Within equity, equity mutual funds, because direct equity you don't understand. If it's equity mutual fund, then come to script box. Because you know the best funds to invest in. The 850 schemes had 243 stocks under them and 50 concentrations. I said, boss, you can diversify NF by picking four funds. Our analysis, we looked, I come from Capital One, Probe understood numbers. We used to have, we used to run indices for the US markets then. So put it all together and we created a basket of four funds. And believe it or not, and they were, I mean, there was ICICI Direct that time, Funds India at that time, but they were basically converting offline processes to online. They were not digital in their nature. They were not bringing the power of science method and all that to get. And we launched with four funds called the Long-Term Wealth Portfolio for early savers. 20,000 rupee first investment, 10,000 rupee SIP. Did very well. People loved the simplicity. The fill it, shut it, forget it. Annual rebalancing. As our customers grew with that, we added a short-term money because you wanted to buy a phone or a car or whatever. Then we added an emergency corpus because you need to keep some money aside. Then we added tax-saving funds. So kept expanding our basket of offerings for our customers. By 2015, your question earlier start to haunt us. Hey, Atul, you're the CEO of two companies. What are you really up to? When you're killing yourself and is it best for the businesses? And we were raising funds. So I stepped aside. We brought in a team to lead Scriptbox 2016 to 2019. Ashok did a good job. I was busy with Probe. We were converting Probe from a report writing company to a platform, going from 1,000 to 10,000 a day, 1,000 a month to what are now 20,000 a day. So that journey had begun and I was very busy. Decided to stay on with Probe. And yeah, but unfortunately what happened at Scriptbox also in parallel was that the market moved very quickly. It's phenomenally good. So the whole premise of simplicity, ease, transparency, which we had brought to the category got also, we got the e-commerce mindset come into it. And the e-commerce was all about cashback, free, discounting, which is not really true for wealth management. Wealth management is a long-term, pristine, purity business. You take a long-term view, but for whatever reasons, and this is not sour grapes, but they did a great job. They democratized the entire category of investments and fast followers, great competitors brought in, and that time direct funds had become, their regular funds and direct funds, regular funds 
there's a commission to the distributor. The direct funds, there is obviously a slightly lower price for the end user, but you're supposed to pay a fee to the advisor. So they brought a zero fee model with a direct fund, which we didn't understand. We couldn't, for our life of ourselves, get around a zero revenue model business. We felt you have to have a revenue model, otherwise, how will you build a business? But people did what they had to do. And some of our growth mojo didn't happen as fast as you would have wanted. So good, bad or ugly, I don't know which one I am. Ugly I am definitely, but good, bad, I'm not sure about. So I came back in 2020, said, hey, this requires doubling down to get our strategy sorted out. God has been kind. We have grown 5x in the last two years. Our strategies played out well. Okay, before before we talk about the 2020 return, I want to talk about the initial. Uh, so I had some questions around the launch. Were there those payment gateway rails in place when you started that people could pay through a payment gateway to you for the investing? <laughs> no, you had to set up an e-mandate. You had to set up an SIP mandate, etc. So there was convenience. There was definitely, it was not as good as now. Build Desk in, uh, existed and CC Avenue existed. So Build Desk did a good job. Tech Process did a good job of setting up our payment gateway. So that was a big con- big convenience for our customers. Yeah. How did that SIP work? What did the customer have to do so that it, it's done automatically? So they had to set up a rec- recurring investment. It was called an e-mandate that you could debit X amount from their account. So suppose you were investing 10,000 and you were four funds. So two and a half thousand rupees would go into each AMC directly from your bank account to the AMC. So when you signed up, you set up those mandates with us and those we implemented at the bank end. And then it worked like a charm. Obviously, it's got much better now. There's eNatch, there is, uh, and I'm not an expert on payments. So I have to get somebody else to talk about it. We've got UPI, you've got today, the customer can choose any payment mechanism, can switch between mechanisms. Because customers do either SIP or a one time investment. And you get two types of one time investment. Some is lumpy. I got a bonus, I put money aside. I get something from my inheritance, I put money aside. Or suddenly I've saved up money, I put aside. Then there are people who do not do an SIP on a monthly investment, but will invest monthly on their own. So they'll watch the market and then they'll put in the. So, you get all kinds of behavior. So that's the story. Uh, payment gateways charged anywhere from 0% to 2%. No, we've got a fixed fee. We got a 10, uh, 5 rupee, 10 rupee. And anyway, the mutual fund companies are very supportive of, of some of those charges. And uh, how did the auto rebalancing happen? Did the customer need to click something or was it done automatically? Yeah. So you can't do auto rebalancing. The, see, the, our entire premise is that we will recommend to you what you should buy. And on an annual basis, we'll now on a quarterly basis, we'll tell you what to get in and get out of. It's like a jam jar. So in first year, you had four funds. Our, then our scorecards tell us that in the next one year, we think this is going to happen. And typically one fund will fall out and a new fund will come in. So your SIPs on the fourth fund will stop and SIPs on the fifth fund will start. So now you're doing an A, B, C, E in from month 13. And at some point in time, so remember those days, there was no long-term capital gains. So you could get out of D and get into a new fund after a year. So some of those rules had to be changed and you keep balancing depending on the asset allocation. So now suppose a customer has got only equity portfolio, different answer. If you've got equity plus debt, it's a different answer. But all of this is algorithm driven. There's no human intervention, but we'll prompt the customer to say, we are now recommending this action and we'll send them a nudge. We'll send them a SMS. We'll send them an email reminder to make sure customers follow the recommendation. But the customer has to take the press the button. And you were doing it through the regular plan, not the direct plan, because your source of revenue was at 2% commission. Not 2%. I wish it was 2%. That is closer to about 85 bips in a blended basis. So slightly higher than they could. We've never negotiated because our funds are sele- selected algorithmically. They're completely unbiased. So it, it, irrespective of the commission, they come onto the platform. But we do, re- we do tell our friends in the mutual fund industry that be kind to us. Give us best in class. We are big enough to demand that. Okay. By 2020, when you came, what was the size of Scriptbox? Like how many investors were using it? What were the assets under management? So assets under management were about 1150 crores, about 1250, then it corrected to about 1150 crores. We are at about five and a half thousand now, probably 
12,000, 15,000 by, by June. The number of customers that time must have been about 60 to 65,000. We are about 75 to 80,000 now. I want to understand what you did. This is what you inherited when you came back. So what did you do? What was the game plan? So game plan was a good hard look at where we were in our journey. We said, hey, what are our customers telling us? Customers have been, we have to thank our script box customers. They've loved what we do. They're hugely loyal. Our retention rates are close to 95%, which in this category, the industry average is 60-65%. And this includes offline. Online, though, I don't even know what the numbers are. Now, we spoke to our customers, did a lot of research as a busy bees guys who are really good. And we spoke to Guru and those guys. They spoke to our customers. And the constant refrain was, hey, guys, you've done a great job of these four, you've done these four funds, these four baskets. But I've grown up, I've got children, think about more holistic. Have you really understood? So we realized our share of wallet, while it was interesting, we were not really deep in our customers minds. So we said, okay, let's double down. Let's do more with our existing customers. So what is wealth management? Wealth management is spending time understanding your customers' requirements, creating a portfolio, executing and reviewing it. We were doing the creating a portfolio, but it was generic. We were executing it obviously very well and reviewing it on an annual basis. So we now said, no, let's do this more deeply. Let's spend more time understanding our customers. So we launched a portfolio audit where you can bring your existing investment from anybody. We'll ingest your ECAS statement, digitize it, visualize it, and analyze it and tell you what to do with it. So what happens is that if you're an investor, you, CAMS or whatever will give you a, your holding statement every month. But it's a PDF with lots of numbers. You can understand nothing of it. And it could be or it could be... so. We said, hey, customers want to understand what to do with it. I've got the standard question anybody asks you is, oh, Atul, this is good what you do, but what do I do with the money I already have? They want a second opinion. So we said, okay, second opinion, give customers a second opinion, give customers consolidation of their holdings across multiple providers. So basically built deeper rails into the customer to understand them better. We expanded our portfolios. Earlier, we were saying four funds in, in say, equity. We expanded that to 16, depending on the customer needs, added small cap, added more variety, added international equity to our portfolios, added gold to our portfolio. So expanded the depth of what you're offering and start quarterly reviewing it. So we said, because the customer's money had become more serious, you had to do more with them. Had we launched something called the Global Education Fund for people who wanted to send their kids abroad. We added international equity as, a, as an asset class where you could, through, as through Stockile, you could use your LRS money to invest in stocks abroad. So what is LRS money? It's a liberalized remittance scheme. So if you want to invest in dollars abroad directly, you want to buy Apple or Amazon or whatever, Facebook or whatever the various alphabet or whatever it is, you need access to that. So you need to build the rails for that. So we helped, we partnered with somebody called Stack Stockal to build those rails. We launched insurance, life insurance. We are about to launch health insurance. So basically did a lot more with existing customers. And that's paid out very well. On a like-for-like -like basis, that has grown 3x. Whereas you know, the market has done all over the place. Secondly, we... The average amount a customer is investing through Scriptbox has tripled, basically. Yes, yes. Wow, amazing. Okay. The second strategy we played out, which is in the making is that we went off, we started targeting customers for of a higher ticket size. So earlier we used to target early savers. So we used to nearly 70% of our customers did their KYC with us. That means they were first time investors in the market because they came through us. Now 80-85% of our customers are existing investors. So they have now experienced the category and are looking for a better outcome. So our average ticket size in the first month is nearly a lakh. I think the industry category is 2000 rupees. So just a very different profile of customers coming to Scriptbox, word of mouth, brand positioning. So as a brand, we stand for your, what should I say, Maji, as I call it in Hindi. I'm your boatman. I will take you across troubled waters, across calm waters, across a pond or a river or a lake, depending on where you want to go. I will tell you this thing to do and I'll be with your side. So that's my role. I'm your coach. We've done that. We'll help you understand what you should do with your money. We'll help you invest it. We'll help you review it and we'll do it at the family level. So that's essentially, and that's attracted a certain profile of customers. The third strategy, which has worked out very well is that 
See, what's also happened is that there are many industries. Digitize, so financialization of assets has happened. People have moved from real estate and gold to financial assets. Uh, digitization has happened. People, especially COVID, drove people to digitization. And consolidation is happening. People are saying smaller players get together and build a bigger business. So we've taken advantage of all three. So on the consolidation side, we found some like-minded people who believe that there's a better outcome for everybody if we get together. So we've done nine transactions now and probably a few more. It's a great win for all three parties. Customers get a better upgraded experience because it's digital. It's backed by a 10-man research team rather than a one-man research team. It's more holistic. There is a bunch of products. There's, it's 24-7 availability. You don't have to call anybody. You can if you choose to. So a combination of an omni-channel model where you get a better outcome. You've got access to a relationship manager when you want it. So there's a and there's succession planning, right? You're now attached to the brand, which has got a hundred year life than a single person. There's a win-win for the customer. There's a win for the onboarding partner. Rather than buy a backend system, some CRM, some mobile app, you're getting a full stack digital solution, which is test to the test of time. You're becoming part of a bigger brand. Your customers have succession planning because a lot of people who build businesses are getting slightly older. Their children don't want to do this. They want to do something else. So what happens to the business? What happens to the customers? So Scriptbox is a great outcome for those for those people. The, these transactions, you're talking about acquiring wealth advisors, like the more traditional offline wealth advisors. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. L- like a smaller version of, say, Anand Rati. Anand Rati, of course, is very big, but like smaller players in that similar space you have been. So they've built out great businesses. These guys are really good at what they do. They've got their customer interest in mind. Obviously, we do a huge filter on values, ethics, alignment. And yeah, in a curated manner, we're able to talk to the right partners and make them part of the Scribbox family. You don't need offline presence, right? These would be offline businesses with a physical office and a lot of people doing accounts management. You don't need people on the ground to talk to people. See, anytime your money becomes beyond 50 lakhs a crore, you need that comfort of a human being. And it's, But as long as a human being is using digital processes to deliver greater value to you, you're not designing his portfolio there. You have a portfolio already designed. And your role is more chai pe charcha. Your role is more empathy. Your role is more being available to the customer for assurances. Then you can do a great job of combining a human touch with a digital plan. So we say we are a wealth manager with a digital DNA. So at the heart, we're digital. We believe in automation. We believe in standardization. We believe in scale. We believe in processes. But people are important. So it's like an Uber driver versus a Meru, right? So Uber still, you need a driver to drive the car. He's got to be clean. He's got to be neat. He's got to be polite. He's got to drive the car very well. But the entire other process is digital. Where are you going? How much will it cost you? How long will it take? Ordering it when you need it. So all that convenience combined with the human touch is what Scriptbox is all about. Okay. Give me examples of the kind of players you've acquired. So there are a couple of people in, in Madras. Uh, Mr. Aiken and I has joined us. There's a company called Sai Securities which has joined us. There's a company called Plutus from Gurukam who has joined us. There's a company called Money. What kind of size would these companies be? Like how many investors? Are... 300 to 500 crores is a sweet spot. About 300 to 500 families is the, say, about 400 to 1,000 families. Localized, very strong. So somebody in Chandigarh, somebody in Gurgaon, somebody in North Delhi. So these would be like essentially HNI focused. Yeah, 25 to 25 lakh plus. See, but you get that whole 80-20 rule here, Akshay, that uh, you get a long tail. And our beauty is that we're actually able to revive the long tail and do a lot more with them. So uh, their investors get transferred to Scriptbox books in a way. Like Yeah, so it's a four-stage process. We 
we onboard the customers onto the Scriptbox platform, tell them how to use it. But obviously, the IFA is there. We do a transition of trust of the IFA. See, the IFA will be partners, but it takes the independent financial advisor, the wealth advisor. So that's what their technical name is. They could be a they're largely mutual fund distributors, but they're actually an advisor. This is something odd about the Indian regulation that advisors are called distributors and distributors. Distributors behave like advisors and adv- so-called RIAs become free distributors, bizarreness of the Indian ecosystem. So we need to transition their trust. They need to believe in us. Our processes, our customer outcomes, our reporting methodologies, etc. The most important leg is a transition of trust of the customer. They need to believe in the brand. They need to believe in the methodology. They need to, while the account is alive, is it the right portfolio? How often do we review it? So that transition of trust, we got a very strong team on. They talk to customers. They understand their concerns. I do a webinar. I'm available all the time to talk to people. So basically do a lot there. And we are hopeful that once all of this happens, they grow, as we've shown in about, yeah, the books which are matured. Some of them have doubled there and doubled faster than Scriptbox because they've unleashed so much potential suddenly. Is cash acquisitions or cash in stock? A bit of both. It's, it's cash plus stock. Cash plus stock. So they have to believe in the future of Scriptbox. Otherwise, they're not interested. So they have to believe there's a longer term out. And our model, actually our model is also maturing. It's not that we knew what we, we had a cookie cutter plan. As partners come on, we've also learned over the last six quarters what works, what's best for both parties. So long, see, these are, we are building a 100-year institution. I'm not building a business which is around, uh, around Atulo Sanjeev. We clearly always say we're building a 100-year institution which stands beyond us here. We are just, we're the custodians currently, but hopefully there'll be bigger and better people than us who will uh, do a better job than us. So uh, this is the reason for that you raised 21 million recently. Yeah, for the consolidation play largely. Okay, okay. very interesting. I think this is like that extremely under the radar uh, strategy that you've picked up. I'm sure there are a lot of opportunities to consolidate these offline players and create a large consolidated wealth management business. Okay, that's amazing. As I always say, without sounding bigger than our boots, I think the country, we owe it to the country because we do a very ethical, very good job of long-term wealth creation. We believe that the more people we can serve, it's good for the country. And I genuinely mean it. When my father, God bless his soul, when I looked at some of the portfolio he had, it, it hurt me. It used to hurt me. And man, he was a good-meaning man. And I'm sure the people who were serving him were well-meaning, but it just didn't stand the test of time. So I feel that if we can bring our practices to a larger audience, it's good for everybody. What is, how do you do customer acquisition? Is it through performance marketing or is it through these offline acquisitions are obviously one big channel, but overall I want to understand what is your, and you also mentioned now you've changed your target to look at higher income. How does that happen? So this, though it's an IFA consolidation or it's actually customer acquisition because we're getting customers with existing wealth and, and it's a word of mouth industry. Remember that if you are happy with us, you'll tell five friends. And it's, it's like I always say, my dream dinner party test is that if I'm in a party and people don't know who I am, and then somebody tells me hey, you should invest through Scriptbox, that, that day I'll know I've built a great business. Unfortunately, because I'm on television. Like for Probe 42, you were... Exactly. Yeah, say something similar happens in 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 an event. No, but there's word of mouth. So we get we do performance marketing. Uh, Strabani and her team, the whole marketing team, is very active in terms of creating a brand persona, which builds confidence in our customers that we're doing the right by their money. So we use obviously digital marketing channels. We use we use performance marketing. Word of mouth continues to be strong. We don't have an offline sales capability, so we don't go out knocking on doors. We don't make outbound calls. The cost will be prohibitive too use that channel. Also against our brand, we have a brand credo that will never irritate you. So we will never ask you the same information twice. We will not make an outbound call for sales. So we are quite clear on that. So we sponsored a couple of golf tournaments because we are here and we made a commitment that we will not call you. You tell us what time to reach out, we will meet you. Otherwise, we will not take a list and start 
So that's just not part of our strategy or our personality. Let's see. We're also learning. Actually, it's, uh, the journey is, is we've reinvented ourselves in the last two years. Uh, hopefully, the next three to five, we can build something of meaningful size for our customers. Are you planning like top of the line spend, say celebrity endorsements, sponsoring IPL, stuff like that? Because trust building is like a challenge to solve here. So th- that could be a way to. So we will do above the line. We will do above the line, but in a very systematic manner. In the press announcement, we've tied up with Vector and Tilt as our as our marketing team. Joe and his team are phenomenally good, Joe George. So we're working with them to figure out the right strategy for ourselves in terms of the brand build out. Whether we do above the line, whether we do a lot more digital is something Manu and his team will decide. I'm not the expert. All I can say is that at least the work we are doing now in terms of our Twitter, in terms of our money shots, in terms of the positioning of ourselves as old age wisdom, new age wealth management for somebody who's here by your side, I think we're doing a good job. And also size begets size here. If you are about 20,000 crores of AUM, the next 20,000 crores become that much easier. And what is the headcount now of Scriptbox? Like 260, 250, 260 people. On the payroll. What is the split? Like how many people in which? Third for pure engineering product design. A third would be customer facing. So people in the contact center. So we always had a contact center even from day one and with no IVR. So when you call us, we will pick up the phone. And we've added obviously relationship managers for customers, higher ticket size, customers who come from the IFA channels, have a relationship manager. We have, so that's about a third of our people. And that includes fund operations, bank account changes, any of that stuff. And about a third is obviously overheads like me. So marketing and finance and HR and corporate development. So yeah, that would be a good split, a third, a third, a third. Tell me about the cooperative landscape. Who are the other players in this? And like you said, you are at five and a half thousand assets under management. So what are their AUMs like in this space of digital wealth management? I know ET Money is one, but I think they do direct plans. They don't. So it's very difficult to tell, Akshay. So we're looking for the information, but it's very difficult to find because everybody else is in a direct play. So the proxy of earning signaling this out is how much MFI commission you made. But if you don't have a if you don't have a revenue model, you can claim your. So a lot of people, what they do is they will. I told you about this eCash statement. I've taken your eCash statement. I've digitized it. A lot of people will say that oh, that customer he's invested a thousand rupees with me. But actually, he's got a crore, but that crore is mine. So what people are reporting, what numbers are, we really don't know. And I'm not being facetious. But if I looked at Funds India at about 7,000 crores, IFL Securities at about six 7,000 crores, anybody who's built customers is regular with their customers, and we would be in the in the largest players in that space. And see, there are transaction players like Grow and ET Money and PayT Money who are also doing stock discount broking, who are also doing mutual fund access, etc. Difficult to tell what their numbers are in a credible way. They're not exactly like in that wealth space. Not at all. They're in the, I would say, investment slash access to investment space. And that's their positioning, right? Of India Karega Invest, which is basically saying that everybody's, which is a fine thing. But it's empirically proven that 95% of traders lose money. So that's the that's the reality of those businesses. The other piece is around, see, who's going to lose if you're going to win? It's the banks. Their clunky systems. So our customers are going to come from either offline players or going to come from banks. Yeah, they're good at what they do. But for somebody, see, who do we target? We're targeting between people between, say, 15 lakh, 25 lakhs to 2 crores, 5 crores. Above 5 crores, the big boys like ASK and Anandrati are active. Below 15 lakhs, you're not serious about wealth. You're still figuring out, you're doing crypto, you're doing some trading. See, our sense is about 1x your annual salary is when you start thinking, okay, I'm now serious about money. And that's when the money becomes slightly meaningful. And that's when we kick it. And then we are systematic, long term, with you by your side. And I'm not going to call you on 28th and tell you, sir, there is one lakh rupee lying in your account, buy an FD or Sensex is a discount or depending on whatever my target is from my product manager, I'll get that pressure. We don't do that. 
so our uh, our relationship managers don't carry targets so they're not incentivized nahi is that uh, the tax saving investment is that like a big contributor like i know a lot of people early investors especially younger people invest it used to be it used to be about it used to be about 3 4 years ago no longer yeah. i don't know if it, so it used to be a big push we used to do a lot of work in that space i remember running a campaign but then realized that for our target audience people this is just one more option you have so many other options for tax saving so we offer it to our customer there are customers but i don't think it's a me it's material to our strategy and that brings us to the end of this conversation i want to ask you for a favor now did you like listening to the show i'd love to hear your feedback about it do you have your own startup ideas i'd love to hear them do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show i'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests write to me at ad@thepodium.in at that's ad@thepodium.in at 